This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Dancing You Yarns. You can find the link for Dancing You Yarns shop at nevernotknitting.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast. everyone and thank you for joining me for episode 12. I really appreciate all of the comments, emails, and Ravelry messages I've received over the past few weeks. It's been so nice hearing from you and I so appreciate you taking the time to contact me. Thank you. As you probably already know because I posted it on my blog and also on the Ravelry group, I will be on a new podcasting schedule. Instead of recording every other weekend, I will be putting out a new podcast on the 1st and 15th of every month. A lot of things have happened over the past few weeks, and I have a lot of knitting news to share. Um, wait. Shh. Did you hear that? Do you hear something? Kind of sounds like a zipper? That sound, that sound is the sound of completion, my friends. The dad sweater now has its zipper. I got it back from the seamstress a couple of weeks ago and the zipper looks fantastic. It really gives the sweater such a nice professional look. I was surprised by how much just adding a zipper changed the sweater and it works great. I kept wondering, since I'm not a seamstress, whether a plastic zipper or a metal zipper would be best. I definitely knew that I always wanted a nice sturdy metal zipper, but I was warned by a few friends that sew that metal zippers can be really finicky and that plastic is better. And also I was afraid of the metal maybe um, dragging the sweater down and making it kind of look like rumply in the front or too like it was too heavy for the sweater. So I told my friend who was putting the zipper in for me that she should just go ahead and go with plastic. But then after sleeping on it and thinking about it more, I thought that a plastic zipper was just not going to match the style of the sweater. I thought it was just a really nice man's sweater and that a plastic zipper would almost cheapen it or make it look kind of like a little kid's sweater or something. So I just decided to risk everything and go with the metal and I'm really glad that I did. It really gives it a nice polished look. I had somebody put that zipper in for me because I can knit just great but can't sew at all. And I knew that me trying to put in a zipper was going to be like a brand new knitter trying to knit a lace shawl. So I hired my friend and she really did a great job. I couldn't be happier about it. She did have the sweater for a really, really long time though, which kind of worried me. She had it for a month or more and I was a little concerned as to what was taking so long, but it was definitely worth the wait. 
I do have to admit, though, that during that time, the thought did cross my mind that perhaps something terrible and tragic happened to the sweater. Maybe she accidentally, when she was sewing in the zipper, cut the sweater, or maybe it got thrown in with the laundry and it shrunk. I was imagining terrible things because she had the sweater so long. I was picturing my poor friend, a non-knitter, rapidly trying to re-knit the dad's sweater before I would notice that something bad happened to it. I was imagining her nervously trying to avoid me, thinking, if I can just finish this sweater and replace it, and she'll never know that I ruined it. But thankfully, nothing like that was the case, and she returned my sweater to me in one piece, and it turned out great. And my dad likes it too. It's funny because since I gave it to him, he's been wearing it to work and then calling me with updates of people's responses, which is kind of fun for me, I have to admit. My dad was a really good sport and let me take pictures of him, and he kept saying throughout the entire process, this is the least I can do. So I really feel glad because I know that my dad really likes his sweater and he's wearing it, so what more can a knitter ask for, really? Also, I'm happy to report that since I last recorded, I finished the design project I've been working on. It's called the Playful Stripes Cardigan, and it's just a simple cardigan sweater that I designed for my daughter with some nice little details and accent colors. I think I described it on the last podcast, but it's a plain cardigan with a stripy garter stitch yoke done in five different colors. It turned out really good, a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I'm quite pleased with it. So I wrote up the pattern and got the pattern sized. So now it's available in sizes three months to six years and it's up for sale on my blog. I took some pictures of my daughter modeling the sweater, which never goes as planned because three-year-olds are impossible to take pictures of. It's funny because in most of the film, she was being such a ham and making all these funny faces. And then in the second half of the film, she was quite perturbed that we were still taking pictures three minutes later. The sweater looks really cute on her, but I am really disappointed because I just chose the wrong size to make for her. I thought that she was around a size 3T, so I went ahead and made that size, and the measurements seemed big, but I thought, well, a lot of her clothes say 3T and they seem to look okay, so I just went for it, and it's too big. My daughter is really, really tiny for her age. She has such a small frame and she's so skinny, and so the sweater is a little bit baggy. So my daughter wasn't the best model for me really to use, but since I don't have a lot of kids around her age that I could use as a model, I just decided to put the sweater on her and just explain to my blog readers and podcast listeners that it's not the sweater. It is sized appropriately. I just stupidly chose the wrong size to knit for my daughter. But the sweater, I'm sure, will fit her perfectly next year, 
and she'll probably get a lot of use out of it since it's a little bit on the big side now. Before I took pictures of her, my friend Audrey and I were brainstorming about how to make it look like the sweater fits, and we were thinking, what would it be like to layer the sweater over several sweatshirts or something for the pictures to try to help fill her frame out more? Yeah, that would have been kind of weird looking. I did try to feed her a lot before the photo shoot, hoping that she'd put on about 10 pounds, but that didn't work either. And I mean, what was I to do? I can't just go up to random mothers at the park asking them if I can take pictures of their child in my sweater. They would think I'm totally strange, so I just went with it. And it's fine. I think it's a cute design. It would be a great pattern for you to use if you have a lot of scraps of the same type of yarn. Now, as you know, I had lots of scraps of Debbie Bliss Baby Cash Merino, which is the yarn that I used for this sweater, and I had the scraps left over from the leg wormies that I knit for my daughter. So this was a great way for me just to use up a bunch of the small amounts that I had left over in my stash. Also, this design would be great for those who hate seaming. There's only one seam to sew up when you finish this sweater, and that is the sleeves. Now you could knit them in the round, and that would be totally doable, but I just chose not to because there is a little striping on the cuff, and I have a hard time getting those stripes to match up just right when I knit in the round. So I just found it easier for myself just to knit them flat and then just sew up the seam afterwards using the mattress stitch. But all in all, it turned out well, and I'm really happy that I finished that and got that finally out of the way. Aside from those sweaters, I've also been doing a lot of work knitting, so lots and lots and lots of swatches. Which, of course, isn't as fun, because I feel like I'm knitting and knitting and knitting, but never quite creating something usable. My daughter thinks that all the swatches are baby blankets. So she really enjoys watching me make them and I let her wash the swatches with me and so she likes to swish them around in the water and let them dry. So because of that, it's kind of been fun. And also, it's nice to be able to test out so many different stitch patterns and different yarns and it's really expanded my knitting knowledge, which I also definitely appreciate. Also, in the past few days, I've started a new project and I really, really like this project. And surprisingly, it's a hat. And it's not a hat for my daughter either. It's a hat for me. I know, I am so not a hat person. In fact, I never wear a hat. So I'm surprised as well. I totally think that I look ridiculous wearing a hat, but I'm constantly envious of all of these hat-wearing knitters every time I look on Ravelry. And the weather around here has been bitingly cold at times, and I always think, I wish that I looked good in hats so that I could wear one right now. Now the hat that I've started is the Cebu Modern Hat, spelled S-E-L-B-U, and then the word modern. And as soon as I saw this hat pattern, I fell in love. It is so cute. It's a colorwork design that's kind of floral. It's just done in two colors and it's hard to describe these things. So I will definitely put a link in the show notes so that you can see it for yourself. The hat done originally that's on the pattern is not exactly my style. 
It's done in kind of a bright gold and blue. It's a little bit too loud for me, but I will post a link to the one that I absolutely fell in love with on Ravelry. I just love this version that this knitter made. It's done in this heathered yarn in a kind of a beige tone and a really pretty red and it is that version that made me completely obsessed with this pattern. And I know I'm not alone because like 200 people favorited this same project, so I know that I'm not the only one. It's weird how you can sometimes look at a pattern and not think anything of it, but then you see somebody else make it and just simply change the colors and it makes all the difference in the world. So basically, I fell in love with the pattern like, really. Like in the, if this pattern was a person, I would marry it sort of way. And I just had to start it. I know that I feel really ridiculous wearing hats, but I thought it was worth another shot just for this pattern. So then it was trying to find the right yarn. It takes two different colors of a fingering weight yarn. And I decided to go with Jameson's Shetland Spindrift because I keep seeing this yarn all over the place on Ravelry and I knew that it was a traditional yarn used in color work and I've heard many people say that it's a great yarn for color work because it's slightly fuzzy. That's great because it kind of hides your mistakes. If the tension is a little loose or a little too tight, the fuzz kind of makes it not as noticeable as a really crisp yarn. This pattern is calling for a very smooth fingering weight yarn koigu and I decided to opt for the more fuzzy texture just because I am not familiar with stranded color work knitting at all. The last time I tried to do color work, oh uh, yeah, that's a story. I'm probably going to save that for a future podcast. But basically it involves beginning knitting skills, mercerized cotton, and a chicken pillow. Yeah, uh, not a chicken pillow for me. I don't really decorate with chicken pillows, but it was for my daughter's nursery before she was born. Yeah, I still have that chicken pillow, and um, it's just kind of been in her room ever since as a reminder of why I don't knit in two colors. Anyways, back to the hat. I chose the Jameson Shetland Spindrift. I'm really glad I went with this yarn. I like it so much that I decided to do a thorough review of it that you'll hear in the next segment. The colors that I chose are a really pretty gold straw color called Scotch Broom and then a dark brown color called Grouse. I hope I'm saying that right. And it's this dark brown with a really pretty heathered red and green and gold mixed through, but very subtle. And these colors together look amazing. The gold with the brown kind of gives it more of a vintage look, in my opinion. The pattern is just so, so cute. I love it. I haven't finished the hat yet. I'm about halfway done, but I'll be posting pictures of it on my blog and on Ravelry so that you can see my progress. Also, I have pictures posted of the dad sweater and of the playful stripes cardigan if you would like to look at those as well. Now I think it's time for me to... (laughs) 
bring on the product reviews. This episode, I will be reviewing Jameson's Shetland Spindrift, the yarn that I'm currently using for my Cebu Modern Hat. This yarn is a light, lofty, loosely spun, two-ply fingering weight. The colors are gorgeous, and there's so many to choose from, and they're very saturated. And the other reason that I wanted to use it and that I like this yarn is because the colors are really pretty and heathered. And that just means that they're not a true solid color. They're kind of, the colors are kind of dimensional. And there's subtle shade variations within the strand, which to me adds a beautiful effect to two color knitting. But the interesting thing about this yarn to me is where it comes from. It is made of 100% Shetland wool, grown and spun in the Shetland Isles of Scotland. Shetland is about 600 miles from London and consists of more than 100 islands, but only 15 of them are inhabited. Shetland is known for their sheep rearing and textile industry due to the exceptional wool of the local breed of Shetland sheep. The climate there is mild and the country is rich with beautiful scenery, nature, archaeological history. Okay, so the hours spent lost on Shetland tourism sites have led me to feel that I need to move there straight away. Seriously, I want to move there. I can just see it now, sitting on the beach with my own flock of Shetland sheep, spinning and knitting their wool into beautiful Fair Isle sweaters. Could it get any better, really? Okay, back to reality. Since I don't think my husband is going to want to move to the Shetland Isles right now anyway, I think that I better just settle on knitting with their yarn. Yes, back to the yarn. Jameson's Shetland Spindrift is put up in 25 gram balls with 115 yards each. This is perfect for Fair Isle or stranded colorwork knitting because in the colorwork patterns, you often just need small amounts of some of the colors that you are using. So it's nice having a small amount on the ball because it means less waste and less of a chance of you collecting many, many half-used balls of yarn in your stash. I hate trying to figure out what to do with those. The company that produces this wool, Jameson Shetland, is the only company that is from the Shetland Isles that is exporting Shetland yarn. And the company has a very interesting history, dating back to more than 100 years. On their website, they have this history provided, and I'd like to read it to you. It says, in the early 1890s, Robert Jameson started up a small business in Sandness on the far west coast of the Shetland Isles. From this shop he bought or exchanged for goods, knitwear from the local crofters. These hand-spun, hand-knitted garments were made from the wool of their very own native sheep. Every piece unique, hats, gloves, mitts, stockings, underclothing, sweaters, locally known as gansies, and in particular the intricate Shetland lace shawls, veils and stockings, which were at the height of their popularity at the turn of the century. When Robert retired, his son Andrew continued in his footsteps until the steady decline in hand spinning forced a change in the industry. 
Andrew now needed to buy yarn for his knitters, so he became one of the island's first wool brokers, buying the raw wool clip from the crofters and shipping it to the Scottish mainland for processing. At the time, Shetland wool was believed too soft to be spun on industrial machinery, and so it was blended with other coarser breeds of wool to make it easier to spin. The very best blend of Shetland yarn mainland spinning mills could produce was only about 60% pure. It was a reasonably good yarn, but it never seemed quite good enough to the family, having lost some of the qualities which make the real thing unique. Time moved on, and Andrew's son Robert, better known as Bertie, took over the business. Bertie expanded by establishing a retail store in Lurwick, Shetland's capital town. The store still sells all the traditional knitted garments, as well as a full range of hand-knitting yarns, books, and needles. Despite these developments, the desire to be able to offer customers the genuine article lived on. This dream was finally realized in 1980, after Bertie's son Peter joined the business. Together they set up a small, experimental spinning mill in Sandness and soon began to produce the yarn that they truly wished to offer, a pure wool taken from only the two finest grades of the native sheep, grown within the isles. Now in the 21st century the story has come full circle. The yarn which made Shetland knitwear desirable over 100 years ago is once again available. A rapidly expanding group of hand knitters are learning for the first time the joys of knitting with genuine Shetland wool, grown and spun in the Shetland Isles. It has been a lot of fun for me to work with this yarn that I know has not only been around for such a long time, but that comes all the way from Scotland. And this wool definitely feels like the real thing. It's strong and lofty all at the same time, and is very rustic and natural feeling, which I'm really enjoying. It's by no means as silky as a merino wool, but does soften considerably with washing. Now there are some gorgeous patterns on Ravelry that have been made with this yarn. Two sweaters come to mind. In fact, these sweaters are the most beautiful Fair Isle sweaters that I have ever seen, and they were designed by Uni Jang. The first one is the Autumn Rose Pullover, and then also the Venezia Pullover. They are quite similar to each other. They have similar fit and shape. They both have a three-quarter length sleeve. One is boat neck and the other one is scoop neck. But the color work patterns on these sweaters are just gorgeous. If I was ever going to knit a Fair Isle sweater, I would do one of these patterns. They are so pretty and I've been eyeing them for some time. And I still can't decide which one I like better. There's also another pattern that recently came out in the online magazine Twist Collective that is also a really cute colorwork sweater. This one is called Little Birds and it was designed with the Spindrift yarn by Yusolda Teague. This one is a cardigan and has little bird motifs going across the chest and arms of the sweater, hence the name. But what if you'd like to try out stranded knitting but do not want to commit to an entire sweater? then you must check out the end paper mitts by Uni Jang. And these are fingerless gloves with a beautiful two-color diamond pattern. I love this pattern. I think it is so cute and I will get around to knitting these one of these days. This is a free pattern and although it wasn't originally designed in the Shetland yarn, there are many versions of it on Ravelry made out of the Spindrift and many knitters got a pair of the mitts out of only two balls one of each color. 
Okay, so what if stranded knitting completely intimidates you? Well, another pattern that is out there that is a great application for the Shetland wool that is just made in one color is the Green Autumn or Druid Mittens designed by Jared Flood. You'll recognize these from the cover of Fall's issue of Vogue Knitting. These mittens are very textury and look very warm, the perfect accessory for someone who lives in a cold climate. The pattern calls for three skeins of Jameson's Shetland Spindrift, and the original pair featured on Brooklyn Tweed's blog is in the most beautiful heathered green color. I'll be sure to post a link to them in the show notes so that you can see them for yourself. Now for the fun part. If any one of you is interested in trying out this traditional Shetland wool, Kathy from Dancing You Yarns is offering a discount of 20% off her entire selection of Jameson Shetland Spindrift for the month of February. She is also offering free shipping on all orders that include the Spindrift. This offer is available only to the Never Not Knitting podcast listeners and blog readers. So in order to get your discount, you must enter in the Never Not Knitting promotional code. All you have to do is go to my blog, click on the link for Dancing You Yarns, and in the checkout process, enter in the promotional code NNK1. I will write all of this down in the show notes in case you forget. Also, everyone who leaves a comment on the blog under the show notes for episode 12 will be entered to win three balls of Jameson's Shetland Spindrift. I have two in a pretty green color called Granny Smith and one in a rusty terracotta red color called Poppy. I'm going to take a picture of these and post a picture in the Never Not Knitting Ravelry group so that you can see the colors for yourself. This is enough yarn for the winner to make their very own Cebu Modern Hat or end paper mitts if you'd like. All of the comments will be entered in the random number generator online and I will announce the winner on episode 13. You have until the 14th of February to enter the drawing. This episode's knitting story is brought to you by a special guest, a fellow podcast host. And this is her story. The story of the scarf with the murderous bent. Gemma, normally of the podcast Cognitive, but also a giant fan of Alana and Never Not Knitting. And I thought since she likes stories, I would give you one. Once upon a time, I was walking through the incredible cheap big box yarn store, and I saw railroad yarn. And I was a new knitter. And I thought, whoa, it's got two threads, one on either side, long threads, and they're kind of black and white, twisted together, real thin ply, and between these two threads, there's these blocks of sort of tinselly looking colored bits, and, and it looked like DNA to me, and I thought, that's amazing, and then I found this color of it, and it was black and white edge threads, and in the middle, the little blocks were incredible. They were jewel tones, like stained glass window bits, all suspended at irregular spaces between these two side strips, the side rails of black and white. So I bought a lot of it. 
I forgot about it. Flash forward about two years, I'm not such a new knitter, and I've just given birth, and I've had a C-section, and I have to admit, I've nearly bought the farm, and I'm now a stay-at-home mom. I've got maternity leave for a good seven months, and I have nothing to do, and I'm just taking care of this baby full-time. The DH is nowhere in sight. He had to be away for a long stretch of time, so there I am, alone with my new baby, my first child, and I decide that I'm overwrought and I need to knit. Oh, by the way, yes, I am recording in the mobile cognitive recording studio. It's just part of the whole ambiance. Kind of ride with me, will you? Okay, so I take out this yarn and I decide I have no idea what to do with it, but it's really pretty. So I go online, I look up patterns on the Lion Brand website. I find a trellis shawl. It's a triangular shawl made out of this kind of yarn. You start at the bottom, you increase one stitch at either end of every row, so you get a really, really wide, rapidly increasing triangular shawl. And then you fringe it with bits of the same yarn. I think this is good, but I cannot handle starting with one stitch and increasing to 155. It just bugs me when each row gets longer, 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 longer. So I decide I will start with 155 and decrease my way down. And so I start. However, I did not take into account the effects of extreme newborn baby mom sleep deprivation, okay? Nor did I take into account the fact that this is railroad or trellis yarn. So when you stick your needle through the loop to knit, you got a really good chance of, instead of sticking it through the loop, sticking it through the space between the two sides of a single strand of the yarn. So I knit, 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 knit away. And I look at it, and something is going terribly wrong. Even though I am decreasing one stitch, at least, I think it was one stitch in those days, every row, my triangular shawl is getting wider, not more narrow. I rip out. Have you ever tried to rip this stuff out? It folds up and collapses and tangles on itself like you can't believe. But I rip out. How do you rip out? Well, you've got to tink, tink, tink carefully. Of course, every time you stick one needle into a loop on this thing to unknit or to tink, guess what you can do? You can get that needle stuck between the two sides of the single strand of the yarn. I rip out, I realize I still have the same number of rows, and the thing is still getting wider, not more narrow. I try again, I try again, I try again, I try again. I'm going crazy. I say, okay, okay, just forget it, just forget this early part. It can be a little irregular. I'll kind of roll it up around my shoulders. No one will ever know. So I go back to knitting decreasing my way merrily. I look at it a few rows later. It looks like it's getting smaller. That's good. That's good. Okay, I'm calm. I'm calm. Well, I'm not calm. The kid's having problems sleeping. I'm having problems sleeping. But, you know, in between handling my newborn and trying to figure out how to be a mom, I keep right on knitting on this thing. And finally, one day, I get enough sleep. Husband comes home for the weekend, says, I'll take the baby. I sleep two nights in a row with the day in between. I wake up after, I don't know, 49 hours of sleep, and I'll knit for a while. I unroll the scarf, well, the shawl. Oh dear, it is a shape I can't even describe. It starts out wide, it gets wider, it gets narrow, it gets wider, but more narrow than it was, but wider than it should be, but it's not decreasing, and okay, time to frog. 
No, I can't. I can't. I can't. Okay, I figure to frog this, I need special energy reinforcement. I take it to Barnes and Noble. I will go out in public, which I have not done since I've given birth. My body is misshapen. I am sleep deprived and my knitting is a wreck. So this is of course a logical time to go out in public and knit or frog. Yes, I'm out in frog. I won't give myself the knitting satisfaction. I go out in public with my nightmare. I get to Barnes and Noble, brace myself. I think I will just try to rip back. I'll just pull the needles out, try to rip back as much as I can. And where it sticks, I'll cut the yarn, if you want to call it yarn. Then I'll just start over. I sit down at a table. I arm myself with hot chocolate. I pull it out of the bag and suddenly, <gasps> sounds all around me. I look. The 40 people in the coffee bar all are all staring at me and my knitting and their mouths are hanging open. And I say, what's wrong? And an old guy, an old man, who's not a knitter. He's got a football magazine in front of him. I'm surprised he's even a reader. He looks at me and he says, that's the most beautiful thing. I, I, have you, did you make that? And everybody around him, mouths hanging open, nods in slow unison. Yes, I did, I say. I, in fact, I, I did. I'll prove it. I'll knit on it right now. Grimly, I set my jaw, drink my hot chocolate, and knit. This is the pattern of things to come. Every time I try to frog the thing, someone is on hand, and they have the same exact response. I can't get rid of the thing. I can't kill the thing. There are witnesses, and they are demanding that I protect the thing. All right, fine. Fine! I knit my way through the, the balls of yarn. I don't know, three, four of them? I'm going nuts. I can't even describe the shape of this thing. It's like it's like a rhomboid on steroids. It's so ridiculous looking. It goes in every direction except the one I want it to. It is not a triangle. Ha! It is nothing close to a triangle. Okay, fine, fine. I do not fringe it because I use up the fringe trying to knit it into some recognizable shape, but I fail. But I can't get rid of it. Everybody, everybody admires the thing. Okay, fine. I'll make, a sh I'll make it a scarf. I'll make it a scarf. I roll it up. I call it a scarf. Everywhere I go, people stop me and say, where did you buy that incredible scarf? <gasps> you made it. Can, can you make me one if I pay you? Are you nuts? I'd never go through this again. Pay me. Okay, and then one step worse. Every time I wear it, I'm walking through a doorway or a gateway or an archway, and it catches on something. The very end, the end four feet away from my neck catches on something. And so as I'm walking, I get used to periodically going, la la la, because the thing is trying to kill me. I realize it's this kind of karmic payback for my anger at it. It wants to kill me. I wanted to kill it. It wants to kill me. I don't know what to do with it. I'm afraid if I give it away, it'll kill somebody. I'm afraid this thing is murderous. I name it the scarf with the murderous bent. I throw it in a closet. I say, I will never never look at you again, you murderer. I throw it in a closet. I leave it there. One day, I have to go to a professional function and I need a scarf. And well, a gray outfit, soft, pretty, charcoal gray, clingy wool, so beautiful. Yeah, it looks stunning, stunning with this murderous scarf. I put it on. I go out the door. I pray. I mean, I sit in the car. I talk to the scarf. I say, look, I'll make you a deal. If you and I get through this day, I won't kill you and you won't kill me, okay? The scarf laid quietly around my neck. I go into a room with 300 of my colleagues. I get up to give a professional paper, the culmination of years of scholarly work. 
I give my presentation standing there and the scarf behaves and the audience is silent. And I see, I really can see their eyes are wide with rapt admiration. And for one crystal halcyon moment, I realize they are so impressed with my research and my study and my conclusions. And I'm thrilled and I say, any questions? And like four people in the front row, their hands shoot up all together. And I point at random at them and I say, yes, you in the front row. And in unison, all of them say in various forms, did you make that scarf? Thanks for listening. Thank you, Dr. Gemma, for contributing that story. A link to Dr. Gemma's Ravelry profile, as well as the Cognitive podcast, will be included in this episode's show notes. Unfortunately, I only have a few stories left to share on the podcast, so if you have a knitting story that you'd like to contribute, please email me. You can either send me a recording or just a few paragraphs, and I'd love to share it for you on an upcoming episode. Your story can be about a particular project that you've loved or hated, an experience buying yarn, a story of how you learned to knit, Really, anything knitting related would be great. And for anyone that contributes a story before the next episode that will be airing on February 15th, I will enter your name five times in the drawing to win the Shetland yarn. So if you contribute a story, you'll have a really good chance of winning this week's drawing giveaway. I look forward to hearing from you. The show notes for this podcast along with this week's podcast information, can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Well, that's it for episode 12. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for episode 13 on February 15th. See you next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yarn in the fridge In 
the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.